This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. In the late 1700s, In a town near Apta in Poland, there was a Torah scholar who had merited to have wealth and Torah, Torah Ugdula, at the same time. Which, as everybody knows, in ancient times, when the Holy Temple existed, if a person wanted to be wealthy, they would dive into the north, and if someone wanted to grow spiritually, they would dive into the south. And as the Helege Rebbe Nachman teaches, that if a person merits to have both wealth and Torah, it's because they're so humble that they're actually standing exactly between the point of the north and the south. And so this Jew, Israel, was one of those very fortunate people who had his Torah learning and wealth at the same time. And he also merited to have sons that were also Torah scholars and were successful in business as well. And as he grew older, Israel said to himself, You know, Hashem was blessed me really with everything. I'm able to study Torah and teach Torah. I'm able to give tzedakah and help my fellow Jews. My children and grandchildren are connected to Torah. They also have wealth. What more could I possibly do in my lifetime that I haven't done already? And so he thought about it and he said, maybe in order to grow spiritually, he needs to fast. And at first he pushed the thought out of his mind because it's not easy to fast as everybody knows. But he thought... When he does fast on Yom Kippur, Tisha B'Av, and the other fast days, he feels a spiritual high that he doesn't feel any other time during the week. So the more he thought about it, the more he thought, yeah, he needs to start fasting. And so he decided to fast one day a week, in the middle of the week, on a Tuesday, and he didn't tell anyone what he was doing. On Monday night, he would finish eating. The next morning, get up, daven and learn all day. And at the end of the day, he would come home, and his wife would serve him a meal, and he would break the fast. And he did this for a few weeks, fasting one day a week, but he felt like he wasn't getting the spiritual high that he was looking for. And after all, he had already learned a great deal of Torah, and he had wealth, and he had a big family. All that was left for him was to attain spiritual heights, and he knew that fasting was the key to get there. And so he decided he would fast for two days. Starting Monday night, he would stop eating. All day Tuesday, he didn't eat. And all day Wednesday, he didn't eat as well until he would come home at the end of the day after the sun had set, and his wife would serve him a meal. So when the first time he started fasting, she didn't notice that he was fasting because he kept it to himself. But now she noticed that he wasn't eating on Tuesday night, and she said to her husband, what's going on? And he explained to her that he was blessed with everything, that he wants to attain high spiritual heights, and the way he has to do it is to continue fasting from day to day. And so he went from two days to three days, and eventually went to four days a week, and eventually five days a week. And then he was going from one Shabbos to the next, fasting from Moti Shabbos until he came home Friday night after Kabbalah Shabbos, after the Friday night davening. And the truth is that his children looked at him and they were very impressed with their father because they knew that he had everything. And here he was, learning, davening, fasting, day after day after day. And he had energy. He was actually looking better than when he was eating. The children thought to themselves, wow, our father's really a tzaddik. And at one point, even one of the children said to their father, Tati, you know, I really admire what you're doing, fasting from Shabbos to Shabbos. And Yisrael, he just gave his son a smile 
And the son thought to himself, wow, my father's not only a tzaddik, he's also modest. And this went on for maybe a year. Then late one Shabbos afternoon, after davening the afternoon prayer of Mincha, when Yisrael was about to sit down for the third meal on Shabbos and prepare for not eating for an entire week after that meal, he suddenly turns to his holy wife, who'd been so devoted to him and supported him in all he did. And he said, listen to this, my sweetest wife. I've been sitting here and thinking for a long time, and I've decided I don't want to be a Jew anymore. She dropped the plate. She says, what are you talking about you don't want to be a Jew? You're a tzaddik. Who has wealth in Torah? Who has children like you? Who can sit and learn all day while you're fasting like you? What do you mean you don't want to be a Jew? I said, yep, that's it. I decided I'm going to the priest and I'm going to get baptized and becoming a Christian. His wife was freaking out. She said, what are you, crazy? Are you out of your mind? I thought you were a tzaddik, but clearly you have a big Yetzirah. You have a big evil inclination. You know what? Stop talking and just eat the meal. And she went back to the kitchen, got him some more food, and he ate the meal and she said, eat as much as you can before you go on that week-long fast. You'll feel better. And so Yisraeli listened to his wife and he ate the meal. The truth was that he felt better and he fasted all week, just like he had done for a year. He didn't have any thoughts of becoming a Christian or going to the priest. And then came Shabbos again. In exactly the same time, after davening Mincha, before the third meal on Shabbos, he starts hearing these thoughts in his head. What kind of Jew are you? You're not even a Jew. You're really a Christian. Don't you want to be a Christian? Go tell your wife you're leaving. Then he thought to himself, you know what? I'm not saying anything. I'm just going to go to the priest and convert. We tell my wife she'll try to stop me again. So he pushes his chair back. He gets up and walks to the door. And his wife says, Israel, where are you going? He said, ah, oh, never mind. I'm not going anywhere. She said, you don't have those thoughts again about going to the priest, do you? And he said, yes, I'm going to the priest. And this time you're not going to stop me. I need to become a Christian. I don't want to be a Jew anymore. I'm going to the priest to get baptized. She simply didn't have the kalim. She didn't have the vessels to deal with this. She started crying and she fell on the floor. She said to her husband, what kind of talk is this? We're serious religious Jews. Look at your family. Look at your community. How can we even show our faces in the community when you talk like this? But he simply ignored her and he said, I don't care. God is the God of the Christians, not the Jews. And I want to be one of the Christians. I don't want to be a Jew anymore. I'm going to the priest to get baptized. She begged her husband, please. It could be all the fasting that you're doing. Sit down and eat something. Maybe you'll feel better. And so he sat down and ate. The truth was that he felt better. But this time she didn't let it go. Sunday morning, she went straight to her sons and told them what had happened. And of course they were shocked. They never imagined that their father, who they thought was a great tzaddik, could ever say words like that. And so they watched their father the whole week. There was no sign of anything strange with him. He learned Torah as usual. He davened as usual. But they decided they would come to their parents' house for the third meal on Shabbos and see if the same thing happened. And here once again, the third Shabbos comes, and late in the afternoon, before he eats the third meal, without saying a word, Yisrael throws off his Shabbos clothes puts on his weekday clothes, and starts running out of the house. The wife and the sons run after their father, and he's running as fast as he can. They caught up with him just before he got to the priest's house, and they grab him and they start carrying him back home against his will. Start shouting at them, What are you doing? You don't have the right to take me away from the priest. I want to be a Christian. I'm allowed to be a Christian if I want to be. I have free will. I've had it being a Jew. 
the whole way is cursing his wife and his sons and Hashem and the forefathers and anyone he could think of. He said, all I want to do is go back to the house of the priest and get converted. Please, you have to do it. And his sons, when they brought him back home, they put him back in his chair. Every time they put him down, he jumped back up. So they took some ropes and they bound him to the chair. And the sons switched off, guarding him until Shabbos was over. And as soon as Shabbos was over, they got the family wagon with the horses and put the father still bound on the chair in the back of the wagon and took him to the great Rebbe, Rabbi Avraham Yoshua Heschel, also known as the Aptarav. And they carry their father in and he's still bound to the chair. And the Rebbe says, what's going on here? And the sons say to their father, no, tell the Rebbe what you told us. And the father says, I want to be a Christian. I want to convert. The tzaddik says to the children, okay, take your father to the other room. And then he says to the children, you're going to take your father back home and don't give him any food or water whatsoever. Even if he's extremely hungry, even if he's starving and asks for food, just ignore him. Don't even give him a spoonful of water, even if it seems like he's about to die. Chas v'shalom. And I promise you he won't die. Don't give him anything until tomorrow night when you see three stars in the sky. And only tomorrow night when the day is fully over you see the three stars, pry open his mouth and pour a little bit of water into him to revive him. If you do exactly as I say, with Hashem's help, everything will be okay. And so the sons took their father, they stuck him back in the wagon and rode him back home. And the whole way, the father's shouting, food, food, I'm starving, I need to eat. And in between crying for food, he was cursing out his sons. What terrible sons you are who bounds their father to a chair. How can you do this to your father? Give me something to eat. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Please. But the sons, they got their instruction from the Rebbe. And they knew better. And they didn't pay any attention to their father. The whole night, the sons guarded their father. And at some point, he was so weak and famished that he didn't have the strength to shout. And he just fell asleep. And when the sons saw that he wasn't going anywhere, they unbound him and laid him down on his bed. But still, they didn't give him anything to eat or drink, exactly as the Aptarav said. And one of the sons stood outside as it started getting dark and waited for three stars to be seen in the sky. And then he ran in and they forced their father's mouth open and put some water inside. And it was so difficult for their father. He started moving and so they gave him a little more water and a little more. And then they gave him a tiny bit of food. And eventually he woke up. And the father realized at once what had happened. And he was so ashamed. And he started crying bitterly. Hashem, why did you do this to me? Why did you put me through this test? But he was so weak from the fast. Just that one day fast. From Shabbos afternoon until Sunday night. That he laid in bed for several weeks after that. And eventually, when he recovered, he went to the Abderav to visit the great tzaddik and ask him why he had been punished with wanting to go to the priest and get converted, which is, of course, not something that he wanted. He loved being a Jew. He didn't understand this. And so the Aptarav explained to him, said food has two types of energy, one material and the other spiritual. And so if you eat food, your body will be sustained by it and you'll live feed kosher food, and you eat it with the right intentions, then not only does it give nourishment to the body, it gives nourishment to the soul. So what happens when a person fasts? You're not getting the energy of the food to your body, 
but the fast still provides energy for the soul. However, if a person's reasons for fasting are not for the sake of heaven, but rather for their own pride and ego, then not only do they not get the energy from the food for their body, they don't get the energy from the fast for their soul. And that's what happened to you. The reason that you were fasting was not for the sake of heaven, but it was only for your own ego. Because you felt that you needed to reach a higher spiritual place. And so the life force of your soul was cut off. And so it brought you to the deepest, darkest place of a Jew, chas v'shalom, God forbid, wanting to convert to another religion. And so now you can understand why I told your sons that you wouldn't be able to eat all day from Moti Shabbos until Sunday night. Because that was a fast that was really for the sake of heaven. And the merit of that fast, all of your previous fasts were elevated. And that's why you became so weak that by just fasting one day, you were sick for three weeks afterwards. Because that one fast concentrated all of the previous fasts and elevated them. So now that you understand what happened, I'm sure that you'll act a little differently this time around. And so Yisrael understood that the fasting actually wasn't the best thing for him. The fasting brought him to the great tzaddik, the Aptarav. And Yisrael would come to the Aptarav and learn with him every day. And he would learn in his Beit Midrash, in his house of study. And eventually, the once proud, wealthy man became a devoted chassid of the Aptarav. And all week long, he would eat his meals and say that I'm eating for the sake of heaven. I'm eating for the nourishment of my body and the nourishment of my soul. And through eating, he was able to reach a higher spiritual level than he ever could when he fasted from Shabbos to Shabbos. I've got another story for you, and this is the first time that I'm consciously retelling a story that I've told in the podcast. There was a sweet Jew that left me a comment on one of the YouTube stories telling me that I could find the proper details of a Baal Shem Tov story in a certain book. As you listen to more and learn more, you'll see that you'll come across the same story again and again. Different Rebbe's, different details, but the point of the story is the same. So this is a story about Reb Zusha that I told already, I don't remember in which episode, but I found the story again, and I found it with more details, and since it's one of my favorite stories, I wanted to tell it again. Let me tell you, sweetest friends, there are very few Rebbe's as sweet and as special as the Heidegger Reb Zusha. And as you know, of course, Reb Zusha and Reb Elimelech were known as the Holy Brothers. Reb Elimelech became a great Rebbe, and Reb Zusha, he's not as well known. Now, I've told the story of why Reb Zusha wasn't allowed to become a Rebbe, and why we don't have any writings of Reb Zusha. That's in the story, Reb Zusha spends Shabbos by the shoemaker. And you might have even thought that Reb Zusha didn't ever really exist. But we have a haskama, an approbation, a letter of recommendation by Reb Zusha in the holy book, the Tanya, which was compiled by the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe. There he is, in writing, Reb Zusha, recommending that everybody learn the Tanya. And of course, Reb Zusha was buried next to the Magid of Mezrich, who everybody knows was the successor of the Baal Shem Tov. And the Magid would call him, Mai Zusha. So one day, Reb Zusha was sitting and learning, and Reb Zusha had Hasidim, 
And they would serve him his food. They would cook the food and prepare it for him and serve it to him twice a day, once around 10 o'clock in the morning and the other time around 4 or 5 in the afternoon. And the way it would work is Rabzusha would feel that it's time to eat and raise his hands towards the heavens and say, Olam, Master of the universe, Zusha is hungry. And Zusha had such faith in Hashem that Reb Zusha knew that all he had to do was ask Hashem for food and the food would come. Now the Hasidim, they knew this was what Reb Zusha said every day. And they had prepared the food for him and it was sitting there waiting. And when Reb Zusha would say, Zusha is hungry, they would go and bring him his food. And one of the Hasidim, he says to one of the other Hasidim, you know, Zusha, it's a great Rebbe, great Tzaddik, there's no question. But give me a break. He says Zusha's hungry. And I bring him the food. What does he think is going on here? He says, Zusha's hungry in the morning, I bring him the food. Zusha's hungry in the afternoon, I bring him the food. So the Chassid decided, you know what? If Zusha thinks he's getting the food from Hashem, let him get the food from Hashem. And he didn't prepare any food for Zusha. And it comes 10 o'clock in the morning and Zusha's feeling hungry. Feels that he needs strength in order to continue doing mitzvot and learning. Turns his eyes towards the heavens, raises his hands up and says, Olam, Zusha's hungry. Nobody brings him any food. The chassid is waiting, looking around. Nobody's coming to bring any food to Zusha. An hour passes and Zusha's getting hungrier. Zusha says, Zusha's really hungry. The chassid is just standing there with his arms crossed, saying, I'm not coming. Let's see you, Zusha, get food from wherever you're going to get it from. And he looks to his friend, the other chassid, and the other chassid's like, you know what, maybe we should bring Zusha the food. I mean, he is the Rebbe. He is a tzaddik. Do we really have the right to sit here and have the chutzpah to not bring him food? The other chassid said, let's see, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, it's getting late, and Zusha is hungrier and hungrier, and it's harder and harder for Zusha to concentrate on the davening, and it's not a fast day, and Zusha's not planning on fasting, so now it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and Zusha hasn't eaten all day, and he raises his hands to the heavens and says, Zusha's really, really hungry, Hashem, you understand that Zusha is not an angel, and Zusha needs food, Hashem, please, bring Zusha food. And the chassid is standing there and watching and waiting. And all of a sudden, he hears a horse and carriage pull up outside of the Beit Midrash. Several people get out and they come in and they see the chassid. And the chassid sees that it's a wealthy Jew with servants. And they're carrying trays and dishes of food covered. And the wealthy Jew says to the chassid, where is Zusha? And the chassid is so shocked, he can barely get out a word. And he just points to the Beit Midrash, where Zusha is sitting and learning. And the wealthy Jew says to his servants, come, let's go. And they go in, and Zusha sees the wealthy man come in, and he moves his sefer, the book that he was learning from, from the table. And the wealthy Jew puts down a perfectly white tablecloth. And then beautiful silverware. And places several plates in front of Reb Zusha. And the servants lift the lids off the plates. And Zusha turns to the heavens and says, Thank you, Rabbanu Sholam. Thank you. And he says a bracha and starts to eat. And the wealthy Jew stands there and waits for Zusha to finish. And when he sees that Zusha benched Birkat Amazon, the prayer after eating bread, so the wealthy Jew says to the servants, Clean it up. They clean everything up. They quickly remove the tablecloth. Zusha puts the sefer back down on the table and continues learning. As they're leaving, the Hasidim stop the wealthy Jew and he says, Who are you? What's going on here? He says, how do you know Reb Zusha? Why did you show up now and just feed him? So the wealthy Jew said, listen, I've never heard of Zusha in my life, but I have a son who's sick. They've taken him to all the doctors and nobody can heal him. 
And I've been davening and giving tzedakah and praying and asking Hashem, please tell me what I need to do. And this morning when I woke up, I had a dream. And my father, blessed memory, came to me in the dream. And he said, my son, you will have a special opportunity today, exactly at 3.30. In this Beit Midrash, you're going to find a great tzaddik whose name is Reb Zusha, and he's going to need to eat. You bring him a meal, and that will be the skula, the enabler, to allow your prayers to reach heaven. And my grandson and your son will have a full recovery. He said, when I woke up from the dream, I didn't know if it was real or not, but I didn't care. Told the servants to prepare the food. It took us several hours to get here, but here we are. And that's why I serve Zusha the food. And Bezrat Hashem, the dream is true. So the Hasidim were pretty impressed with Reb Zusha. But they decided, okay, you know, miracles happen. And now Zusha got a nice big meal. Let's see what happens the next day. So the next day, 10 in the morning, Zusha lifts up his hands to heaven and says, Master of the universe, Zusha is hungry. The Hasidim, they're ready to start laughing. Zusha's hungry. Come on. And it goes 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. Every time Zusha's saying, Zusha's hungry. Once again, a little bit after 3, they hear a horse pull up. This was a big horse. Clearly, whoever was on it was a soldier. They could hear the metal rattling as he got off the horse. And who walks into the Beit Midrash? This giant Cossack. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, the Cossacks in their day were like the Nazis, Yamach Shemam. They were the most feared anti-Semites who murdered Jews ruthlessly. And when this Cossack comes in the Beit Midrash, these two Hasidim think that he's after them. Before they can even say a word, he says to them, Where's Reb Zusha? They were shaking, trembling, and they couldn't say anything, so they just pointed to the Beit Midrash. The Cossack comes in, and he looks at Zusha, and he says, Rebbe, please. And Reb Zusha lifts up the safer that he was learning from, and the Cossack puts down a meal that he had prepared for Reb Zusha. And Reb Zusha looks to heaven and says, Thank you, Ibn Oshalam. Thank you, Master of the Universe. And washes and eats the meal. And the whole time, the Cossack is standing next to Reb Zusha at attention, with his sword pointed in the air, not moving for one second. And every now and then, the Hasidim would take a peek in the Beit Midrash, and the Cossack would look at them like he was ready to kill them. And they were so scared, they ran back in the other room. Finally, Reb Zusha finishes. The Cossack cleans everything up, starts walking out, and he goes to the Hasidim, gives the first one a nice slap in the face, and the other one as well. And he says to them, Next time Reb Zusha asks Ribono Olam for a meal, you make sure to be the ones to give it to him, and don't make me come back here again. So of course you know, my sweetest friends, that that was Eliyahu Navi, that was Elijah the prophet, dressed as a Cossack, who had the great schut, the merit, to bring Reb Zusha his food. You know, it's such a sweet story, but there's so much in it. First of all, how many times do we think that we ask Hashem for something, and He doesn't hear us? Just because it takes a long time for us to either figure out that we weren't really davening for the right thing or for Hashem to give us what we were davening for doesn't mean that Hashem wasn't listening. He was. And how many times do we do things and we think that my skills and my power created this thing, but it really wasn't? You might think that you made a business deal, but the truth is, the business deal, Hashem arranged it for you. And Hashem decided that you would have that opportunity. You had the choice to take the deal or not take the deal, but that you had the deal that Hashem took care of. So when you're davening, my sweetest friends, remember that Hashem hears every single prayer. 
when you think that kochi ve'otzim yadi asali et echayel azeh, that my strength and my abilities created this reality, know that just like the Hasidim learned, Hashem is running the world. Hi.